Uh, what had happened was I answered the door on that day that little Mike DeWine came to my door and when I was 12 years old. Oh. And things happened. <laughs> <laughs> Lots of things happened. Lots of things happened. Thanks for finding the What Had Happened Was podcast. It's me, Amelia Robinson from Dayton.com, and I have a fun show for you today. I sat down for a talk with the first lady herself. No, I'm not talking about Melania. Not this time, at least. I'm talking about Fran DeWine, the first lady of the great state of Ohio. Folks in these parts know Fran well. Many of us have been eating her ice cream since 1976. As you'll find out, Fran has great stories and big goals involving her two passions, children and good quality food. We talked about Fran's plans to take on some of the toughest challenges facing Ohio's kids and the magical night she and her family had their first night in the governor's residence. Oh, and we talked about pie. The What Had Happened Was podcast is brought to you by the fine folks over at Cox Digital Marketing. You can find the What Had Happened Was podcast on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Google Play, and wherever else you find shows that you love. Subscribe to this show and tell all your friends how much you love it, love it, love it, and go ahead and tell other people by rating it. Here's my talk with Fran. We spoke a few days after her husband, Governor Mike DeWine, gave his first State of the State address. So you ready? I'm ready. So I'm going to get the hardest question out of the way. (laughs) What is Fran DeWine's favorite pie? (laughs) I think my favorite pie is black raspberry. You know, but the trick is getting black raspberries because they can't buy them really in the grocery store. And so you have to pick them and you have to find somebody who picks them for you if you can't find them. Is that what you normally do when you want to make it is find somebody to pick them for you? Well, I had a place close to Cedarville called Berryland that I used to take my grandkids to and we'd pick lots and lots of black raspberries. Then I'd freeze them. And so I'd always have them ready for my pies, but they closed. And so I'm not sure what I'm going to do now. Oh man, crisis in the, in the, in the state house. <laughs> we'll find someone. <laughs> so why is cooking something you're so passionate about? I think since I was a little girl, I always loved to cook. Everybody has to eat. And, you know, I like to make eating fun, cooking fun. I love to cook with my grandkids. This past weekend, my little grandson, Theo, was at my house. He's three years old. So I thought I'd make some noodles. I make homemade noodles. So he was just having a great time rolling out those noodles. And then we cut them in pieces. And before I knew it, he was actually spelling. He was taking those long strips of noodles and spelling his name on the counter. I thought that was pretty cool. That is pretty cool. (laughs) Yeah. You and Mike, the governor, met in uh, second grade. We actually met in first grade. Okay. Uh, we, we started in the brand new school in, in Yellow Springs, Ohio, together in first grade. And you guys started going out like sixth grade or seventh grade or something? So in sixth grade, yes. He used to bounce his basketball past my house. I was the next to the last house on the road. He used to bounce his basketball past my house so he could play at the last house on the road. And one day he stopped by my house. I was extremely shy and he came to the door. I did not want to answer the door. My sister drug me up the stairs and made me answer the door. And he brought me a little silver cross necklace and a Whitman sampler box of chocolates. (laughs) (laughs) 
So that sort of started our friendship. And how old were you then? I was 12. (laughs) I was 12. We didn't start dating then. We we did go bowling once uh, in the seventh grade. His uncle took us to the bowling alley, which was brand new in Yellow Springs. And so that was a lot of fun. So you didn't know then that it would be 51 years of... No, I didn't know then. The funny thing is that as I look back on my little autograph book that all the seventh and eighth graders had at that time and all your friends signed them, a lot of people addressed me as Mrs. DeWine. Oh, really? <laughs> so that's pretty crazy. What was yeah. Yellow Springs like back then? It was a very beautiful, quiet town. The strong influence of Antioch College. It was a very important school then. It was a good time in Yellow Springs. People really cared about their families and cared about their schools. And so it was a great place to grow up. It really was. How'd your family get to Yellow Springs? My dad actually was born in Greene County and lived sort of between Yellow Springs and Cedarville. He was, you know, technically in the Cedarville school district, but the bridge couldn't pick him up. The bridge wasn't strong enough for the school bus. So... He was technically in the Yellow Springs School District, but he had to go to Cedarville schools because the the bus couldn't go over the bridge. My grandparents always went to church in Yellow Springs. My dad then moved there after they got married. What were your parents like? My dad was a builder. He started out, he worked at Morris Bean Foundry. And when I was about in, in first or second grade, he started building his houses, just, you know, one at a time, homes. I'm second of six children. And I think he decided he needed to have something to make a little more money, you know, <laughs> than just working at the foundry with the, such a big family. He was a strong German father, and my mother was a stay-at-home housewife, and she was a great cook, and she loved flowers, and she was a flower ranger, and it was just a, a good time. What did you want to do when you grew up, when you were a little girl? I think when I was a little girl, I wanted to be a teacher. Okay. Uh, My sister and I used to play school all the time. We were both teachers. And so that's what I thought I wanted to do when I when I was a little girl. Is that what you went to Miami for, is to be a teacher? I did. At first I was uh, going to do elementary education and then I quickly switched to home economics because I really loved to cook and I loved to sew and I loved to do all those things. Even though I didn't take cooking or sewing in high school, it was something I loved to do. I loved child development and all of those things. And so that's why I decided to major in home economics. The governor, when he was talking yesterday, he was saying that you were going to be doing some things with children as part of your service as first lady. What is that about? As the mother of eight children and grandmother of 24 children, I have a passion for children. Right. And there's trouble if you did. (laughs) (laughs) So there's just a lot. I haven't decided exactly what I want to do because there's so many things that I'm interested in. One of the first things I'm going to do, we're going to get involved with the Dolly Parton Imagination Library, which gives books to children from birth to five years old. They get a book every month. Some counties in Ohio are covered and some are not. If you look at the map of where the library covers children, there's none in the Appalachian counties. There's none in most of the inner cities. And I don't see why we can't get it to to all the kids. We really needed to get it to the ones that need it. I think if you look at child development, a child's brain is developing so fast in that first year. By the time they're in kindergarten, it's almost too late. So they need books in their lives. They need people to read them. And so this is a way that I think that we can start getting books in homes. And these books, are they're able to publish them and mail them for $2.10. So that's about as cheap as you can get. And these are nice books. Our grandkids, one family, actually lived with us for a while while they were building their house. 
and the kids were had signed up at the Green County Library for the Imagination Library. So it was so much fun to see them get these books, and their own name is on the mailing label, and so they know it's their book. It was just exciting, and I thought, these kids can go to the library, but what about all the kids who can't? And so I just really wanted to do that. So we're starting with that. Because I'm passionate about food, too, and kids, I haven't figured out exactly how I'm going to do it, but I... I want to do something with, first of all, teaching kids to cook. My next cookbook, I think I'm going to make a children's cookbook. I've done 14 cookbooks. I want to oh, do cool. I want to do one that the kids can use to cook. Would it be like illustrated or would it be? Usually I have kids illustrated. So I, I'll get my grandkids to illustrate it. It won't, be, it won't be a big fancy book, but it'll just be a little book with uh, illustrations in it and easy recipes for kids to do. And I think that's important. I've been involved... When I was campaigning, I went to all 88 counties. One of the things I looked at was the school lunch, like the morning lunch program and summer eating programs that they had at libraries. There's some called After the Bell, where everybody in the school gets breakfast after the bell rings, and they've shown that test scores are improved, you know, when they all get to eat breakfast. I've looked at the weekend backpack programs where the kids get pack up food for the weekend because they don't have food. I just want to look at all those programs and see what I can really do to to make a difference because that's really my passion. Did you go to all 88 counties? I did. Yes, I did. What was that experience like? Because obviously you got different counties. Like Cuyahoga County is very different from like Scioto. Yeah, sure. Mix County or something. Yeah, absolutely. You really understand the state when you go to all 88 counties. And you learn so much. I mean, you learn about programs because we tried to kind of mix it up what we did. But you learn about good programs going on. But you, you just learn about the county and the people. And you have a much, much better feel for what's going on in Ohio, I think, when you go to all 88 counties. And it's a lot of fun, too. Yeah, I bet it is. Just the counties I've been to are, like you said, very different. Yeah. And what do you think people don't know about Ohio? Because obviously people from outside of Ohio have a perception of who we are as Ohioans. What are Ohioans? Ohioans are the most common sense people. They work hard. They take care of their families. I don't think people on the East Coast and the West Coast have any idea how great it is to live in Ohio. I've had a lot of people say, you know, I was transferred to Cleveland or Dayton or somewhere and I just didn't want to go. And when I got there, oh my God, I would never leave. This is such a great place. The people are good. Housing costs are a lot less than on the coast. And it's just a great place. We have a lot of secrets in Ohio, our natural resources and, you know, all those things. And I think that's one thing that Mike is really excited about, letting people in the rest of the country know how great Ohio is. Why do you want to be, I mean, obviously he's governor. (laughs) It was never my dream to be first lady. (laughs) (laughs) But obviously you had to agree to the whole thing. Yeah. You know, he's taking you along for the ride. Right. Well, well, you know, we sort of agreed to this one day at a time. You know, he (laughs) he started out as prosecutor and loved that. And so you just sort of been with him all the way. You have to agree to it. Why did you say, okay, you can do this. If he becomes governor, you become first lady, your life's going to change, all that. Why is that something you were okay with? It's more fun to live with someone who's doing exactly what they want to do. Uh And I love to see the difference he can make every day. And so that's why that's why I'm with him. It's going to be good. Are you the woman behind the man? Like, are you the how much say do you have in the decisions he's make? I always wonder about we're good partner. If I told him not to do something, I don't think he would do it. We just sort of work together and we talk to things together. I give him ideas. He gives me ideas. We just work together. You guys have been together for 51 years. Anthony, the guy who was in here earlier, he's actually my husband. 
we were in the same place. We met here at work. Yeah. What has been your secret to that sort of relationship that is a partnership and a friendship? Because one of the things you said that was really cute, you're his best friend. Yeah, I think that's it. We're mm-hmm. just we're just best friends, and we've been best friends all our lives, really. We like each other. You like each other? We what do. do you guys like to do? We like to play with the kids, and we like to be outdoors. We just we just like all kinds of things. Like to pal around or whatever? Yeah. You have inside jokes, all that good stuff. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I won't tell you. <laughs> <laughs> tell me <more>. <laughs> <laughs> What don't people know about him? I think they know that he's just a very passionate person, and he really feels strongly about making a difference every day. That's what drives him. And he knows that he can make Ohio a better place. And he knows he can make it a better place for children. That just makes him work really hard because he knows the difference he can make. So he doesn't like to be irrelevant. He likes to, to make a difference. See, one of the things people probably around here are wondering about, are you going to continue the ice cream social <laughs> tradition? Or is that, is We've done that tradition? for a lot of, a lot of years. Just pop it in real quick to remind you that the What Had Happened Was podcast is brought to you by Cox Digital Marketing. It is now easier than ever to keep up with episodes. You can find the What Had Happened Was podcast on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Google Play, and other services. And now you can even find it on your TV. The What Had Happened Was podcast is featured on WHIO's app for Roku, Amazon Fire, and Apple TV. This podcast is also on the Dayton.com homepage. Now here's the scoop on the future of the Wines Ice Cream Social. See what I did there? Scoop. Get it? Actually, this year we decided we would do a treat for all of our volunteers. Some of these volunteers have been doing this since 1976. And so this year we're going to have kind of an ice cream social at the governor's residence just for the past volunteers, just because we thought it would be a good way to thank them for all the years they've been doing it. And then next year we'll probably have the big one at our house again. So how many years have you been doing it? Since 1976, we've taken a few years off. There were some years that Mike was not in public office, so we didn't do it those years. And, you know, one year our son was getting married about the same time, and I said, I can't do both. (laughs) So, (laughs) So, you know... How did it start? Well, Mike ran for public office for the very first time in 1976. Uh, He ran for Greene County Prosecutor, and we had four little kids. And it was the bicentennial year. And I said to Mike, I really would like to have a fundraiser that's not a cocktail party. That's what everybody had, cocktail parties. I said, I want to have something you can bring your children to. We live out in the country, and it's an old historic home. And like I said, it was the bicentennial year. So we all had our little bicentennial long dresses and things. And we just thought an old-fashioned ice cream social would be fun and so that's that's what we did we a couple friends and I made our pies and we hand cranked the ice cream and we had about 250 people we thought that was a huge huge crowd and but that's how it got started you guys have a school in Haiti too right we work with a Catholic priest who has a school and we've worked with him for for 20 years now we went down originally to Haiti when Mike was in the Senate and we had American troops there and we saw just the most extreme poverty that we could ever imagine and we just sort of started to help a little bit and it was difficult at first to help because you had to find someone that you can trust that you could you know if you wanted to give him money and so and just by chance we met a Catholic priest actually from Philadelphia Uh, he'd been chaplain at Princeton University he used to take students down to Haiti 
for an experience, and then he realized he needed to devote his life to it. So he moved down there. He went into City Soleil, which is deemed the most dangerous place on this hemisphere, and started a school there. Kids weren't in school in City Soleil. They didn't have any food. City Soleil was built on a garbage dump by Papa Doc to get the poor people away from the cruise ships as they came into Port-au-Prince. But he just started with kindergarten and went to the parents and said, send your kids to me and I'll give them a meal a day and school. And for most of these people, a meal a day was just the most incredible thing. And so he just started with kindergarten. Every year he added a grade. We met him when he was up to about 250 kids. Mm -hmm. A friend of ours told us about him. And so when we went to Haiti, we met him. We said, we want to help. That next year we said, we'll do a fundraiser for you in Ohio. And so we did. And so we've been helping him now for 20 years. So the school has grown from about 250 kids when we first started when he, when we first met Father Tom to over 5,000 kids now. So that's 5,000 kids that get meal every day and they get to go to school and some of them even get scholarships to go to college. So it's a pretty incredible thing. And the school's named for your daughter, right? It's named for our daughter, Becky, yeah. Have you been down to the school? Oh yeah, we've been down about 20 times or more. Times. Yeah, <laughs> we haven't been the last couple of years, but we will go down soon. But our grandkids have gone down and it, you know, it's kind of a it really is a life-changing experience to go down. I mean, one time when I was there, I saw women who were mixing mud and mm-hmm. spices and making mud cakes and feeding it to their children because they had no food. And it, you can never get that visual out of your mind. Yeah, Mary you know? McCarty was a columnist for the... Right. Yeah, she, they did a big story about yeah. after the earthquake, yes. how the women were making mud cakes. And yeah. You just don't think about that. You don't think about that. But when Father said the first time he saw that, he actually took on that site, he built a school. So all those kids go to school and, and get something to eat. With all the violence that they've had in the last several weeks, the school were closed for a while. There's a lot of shooting and they actually, three teachers were killed. Not at the school, wow. but in, you know, and one student. It's just been really tragic, but they're, they're opened back up now. I was worried because as long as they're closed, those kids aren't eating. I'm glad that they're back up and going again. Okay, there's problems here, but we're not in that situation. It, it, you, you can't imagine until you've been there. Till you yeah. see it and smell it and feel it, you can't imagine it. So going around those 88 counties, what kind of things did you see there that you say, well, this is something that needs to change? You know, I saw some great programs. It's kind of hard to see something like in Columbus, it's such a big city. But I saw the Moms-to-Be program. And this is like through Ohio State, sort of through the Extension Service. And there's, there's eight locations, but it's for women who are uh, either pregnant or in their baby's first year. They meet every week in a usually a you know a church or someplace kind of a neutral place. They all sit around in a circle. I mean, first of all, there's a beautiful meal provided for them, and there's young girls, Ohio State students, who watch their other kids. But these women, the day I was there, they had a lactation consultant there. Mm-hmm. And they had someone from WIC. They showed them how to do a kick count, which as a mother of eight, you'd think I'd know how to do. What is but a kick basically, count? It's, it's, <laughs> well, basically, like in the last couple of months of your pregnancy, you sort of determine when, what time of the day the baby is moving the most. Well, let's say it's at five o'clock at night. And so you put your hands on your belly and you time how many times it moves for 10 minutes at five o'clock at night. That gives you an indication if that baby isn't moving, that there's something wrong. And so it's really an indication of trying to spot infant mortality and that there's something wrong that these women can get to, to a doctor. But I think the most incredible thing about this program 
is how the women were bonding with each other. And most of them do not have, they don't have a a family. A lot of them don't have husbands. They don't have friends in their neighborhood, but they were bonding with each other. And, you know, will you take care of my kids, you know, get my kids to school while I'm in the hospital and vice versa, you know. They were just becoming better mothers. And I think every mother wants to be a better mother. So it was really giving them the skills. And they got little things like uh, coupons for diapers and stuff. So they got little things to help them as well. But the bonding together, I think, was making a huge difference. So I got to see programs like that. You know, how can we replicate something like that in Dayton, Ohio, in Cleveland, places where we need it? It just gives me things to think about how we could do better in the rest of the state. Yeah, I really do think people don't realize how bad the infant mortality rate is in this state. Well, we're like, you know, I think 49th out of 50 states. That's yeah. that's that's just criminal. It really is. Do you have a sense why that is from your just observations? A lot of it is safe sleep. A lot of it is lack of just, you know, prenatal care and just all these things that we can address. And we are, I think the numbers are getting better, but we have to find out why and, and fix the problem, you know, because it's really... It's just, it's just unbelievable, really. What was the name of that program in Columbus? Moms to Be. Right now you're living in both places, right? We are. What is it like to live in like the governor's mansion or the, is it called, is it residence? Or? Yeah, we governor's residence mm. is what it's officially called. It's actually a beautiful home. It was built in 1925 and I think it became the governor's residence. The family gave it to, to the state of Ohio and around 1955. So I think Governor O'Neill, I think, was the first one to live there. It's a beautiful home. It's big. The downstairs is historic, has a lot of antique furniture, but it's also a very comfortable house. At first, it didn't seem so comfortable, but, you know, we've had a lot of meetings and stuff. Well, I mean, the very first day, we just, we thought, first I had the idea of inviting my little granddaughter, Jeannie, who's eight, just turned eight. I said, why don't you come and spend the night with us that very first night after the inaugural ball? And then the other kids were like, what about me? You know, (laughs) and so I ended up, I invited everybody. So we had about 25 of our family come and spend the night. Some of them had their babies already tucked away in bed at the hotels close to the Capitol. Uh, So we had about 25 and, and everybody else came the next morning for breakfast. It really was a magical time. It was a little chaotic finding places to sleep because I really didn't take possession of the house till that day. So so I wasn't sure I didn't have everything ready, but they knew we were coming. Um, That very first morning when we got up and most of us still in our pajamas and our oldest grandson is 25 and he's, he's a chemistry research grad student and he plays the piano. So he's in the corner playing this beautiful grand piano and sort of oblivious to everybody else in the room. And all these little children are running around and say, I found the secret staircase. And, you know, (laughs) there's not really any secret staircase, but it's a very, the house is kind of a maze, you know. And so they were finding new ways. and, And it was really, it really was a magical moment. My mother was there. My brothers and sisters were there. And it was just a magical moment for all of us to see that house really come alive. That's awesome. Yeah. So so it's so it's been a lot of fun. Have you put your own touches on it? Have you decorated it all? I haven't brought in any furniture, although I've got a couple of trundle beds ordered for the upstairs just so I can make sure the kids always have a place to stay. But I've tweaked a lot. I move things around and and kind of working on moving things around in the kitchen, kind of making it more of my kitchen. <laughs> so it's been a lot of fun, just little changes. I have to say Karen Kasich did a beautiful job of 
kind of restoring it, the original colors to the house and bringing more light in. It has a lot of dark oak paneling. And so she worked really hard to bring more light in, had some fixtures made in Cleveland that would have looked like what would have been there in the 1920s. It really was in very good shape, you know, so I'm it's nice to live there, and it's really nice to come home to my home in Cedarville on weekends. What does it look like, the governor's mansion? It's called a Jacobethan period. Mm-hmm. The story is that a lot of young men who served in World War One uh, saw these, you know, manor houses in Europe, and when they came home, they wanted to build them. Mm-hmm. So it's in Bexley. It's the east part of Columbus. It's kind of stone and, you know, with the little panes of windows and the leaded glass, and it's it's really beautiful, but inside it, like an old manor house with the dark oak paneling in many of the rooms and big stone carved fireplaces and three huge fireplaces. And that sounds awesome. So it really is awesome. Yeah, it is. Well, thanks for coming in. Thank you. Thanks for listening to the What Had Happened Was podcast. I'm certainly looking forward to seeing what the First Lady does next. Here's a personal invitation for me to you for you to join the What Had Happened Was Advisors. The Facebook group is an easy way to keep up with the latest episodes of the podcast and give me feedback and suggestions. There's some awfully fantastic shows coming up, so please stay tuned. Until next time, see you later, alligators. Bye-bye, crocodiles.